with grease. Ah, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. It's good to see you all. Um, it's beautiful weather out there. And uh, <clears throat> for some of us who woke up late and didn't, wasn't able to get a shower, it's a perfect opportunity to fix your hair. Uh, it helps. It helps. Uh, I saw you, Dickie. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, I just want to take a pastoral privilege here as we start and say thank you to a few people. Uh, Pat and her crew of folks back in the kitchen on Wednesday nights, I just want to say thank you. And I don't have to, You don't have to clap for them because she hates that. But <laughs> she said this all for God, and, and that's true, but, but uh, she has a whole group of folks that are back there, and um, she doesn't have them. God has them. And, uh, but, but she and Paul are, are kind of getting things organized, and, and there is a labor of love for them, and I, I praise God for that. And, and those of you who are up there with the kids, I thank God for that. Uh, to see, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 people come through there on Wednesday nights, not volunteers, just people from our community come through there, uh, whether it's, well, it's probably more than that, I guess, picking up kids and uh, dropping kids off and staying for dinner and all that. Um, yeah, wow, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I just want to say thank you, um, that, that you obviously get it, that it's about others, and uh, I thank you for that. But I'll say particularly, the, and I don't know how many of you are here, but the women's group, uh, went, the Monday night women's group from, that meets up at Rock Hall, you guys, y'all provide over and beyond, like, a lot. So I just want to say thank you for, for that group of women, if, if you're in here. Uh, thank you for, uh, thank you as well. You're, you may not show up on Wednesday nights, but you provide in many other ways. So uh, thank you for that. We're in a, a series of messages. This is the seventh week of a series that has um, it's been about life's healing choices, is what it's been called. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I've, I've heard from many people who have said, you know, this has been good. This has been good for me to begin to think about making healing choices, like healthy choices, like, like just doing it together and, and knowing that we're all in this doing the same things, and some of you have been watching videos online about, and reading a book, and, and doing all kinds of stuff, and small groups have been talking about this, but, but like, I'm, I'm really starting to see some change in my life, you know, and, and I praise God for that, and I, for those of you who are experiencing that, yeah, way to go, uh, thanks for, uh, praise God that he's, uh, he's doing something in you, and that's really what makes today's message even more important, this growth choice even more important. I tell my kids all the time to make healthy choices, right? Uh, and, and if you have kids or grandkids, you probably tell them something similar. But what I mean when I say that is don't do stupid stuff. You know, don't do stupid stuff. That's really, that's really all I mean. But, but in that is, you know, make healthy choices, like healthy relationships with friends, about like healthy habits, like eat the right stuff, go to bed at the right time, study, you know, do all the responsible things. The things that are oftentimes are hard, are difficult, right? Because it's the, the unhealthy choices that are so easy. It just seemed to come natural to me. Ice cream at 11 o'clock, it just seemed normal. But it is one of the most unhealthy things you can do, right? It, worry about your kids. Does worry do anything? No, but we mean we do. We get caught up in it. And we get, the more we get caught up in it, the more we get wound up in it, and it's just a, it's not a healthy thing, and yet many of us find ourselves there, caught up in that. It's not a healthy choice, and yet it seems so natural, so normal to worry, to stress, to be anxious when that's not God's desire for us. 
but that's not God's desire for us at all, really. Um, so today I want to just, just want to spend some time talking about these, this next healthy choice. And, and I don't know if this, uh, Brad, it says I'm connected, but I'm here. Okay. All right. I'm here. All right. Second John verse eight says, watch out for that. You do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Watch out, watch out that you don't lose what you've been working for. That, so that's what I'm saying, that this healthy choice that we're wanting, I'm wanting you to take, that I believe God wants us to take, is, is so that you don't lose the, the momentum that you've, you've begun in your life. Like you're starting to see that big thing change. You're starting to see, so maybe it's just, maybe you just crack it. Maybe you're just, you just got it nudged just a little bit. And it's taken a lot of effort. It's taken a lot of prayer. It's taken a lot out of you to, to get it to move even a fraction of an inch metaphorically in our lives, right? Like to get any progress, it seems like this has been so hard. And the, the temptation is, is that we take a break from it. The temptation is that, you know, anytime you do something really difficult, it's, it's, the temptation is like, okay, I'm going to catch my breath. And catching your breath is important. You know, oxygen is very important to life. So you need to catch your breath. But the problem is, is that oftentimes, I don't know if you're like me in this, but, but when I make some, when I get some headway, when I get something done and I want to take a break, I don't know what it is, but there's something about my right hand that makes me want to just reach down and grab that lever on that recliner and just kick back. Right? I just want to, I just want to, I don't want to rest. I want to relax. And when you relax in anything in life, almost always, that's when you get hurt. That's when trouble comes is when you're relaxed. In this case, in the context of healing choices that we're talking about, that's when you relapse. That's when you go backwards five steps for the two you just took. That's when you find yourself in a worse place than you were to begin with. Because now you feel defeated. You feel like, oh my goodness, I made a mistake. Oh my goodness. You know, that's when everything seems worse than it was in the beginning. Because you made some progress, and now you gave it all back, and you're worse than when you were before. Paul said it this way in, in Galatians 5, 7. He said, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who took you off track? What happened that you were, you were going so great? Like, what happened that you get knocked off the rails? Like, what happened? The, this image in the Bible is used again and again and again of, of running a race, of, of, of the life of faith being one of a race, being a race. Paul uses it that way. The, the prophets describe it that way, that, that this is actually a race that we're running, a race of faith. Now, I know many of you who are sitting out there, you would, you would look up here today and say, that's appropriate that our pastor would talk about races because he looks like a runner. <laughs> I appreciate you not laughing, but <laughs> if you thought that, I just want to set the record straight, and you probably need glasses. But I will say this, that, that I, I used to run. I, I, I did run. I ran. I used to, I used to enjoy it. I actually still enjoy it, just my knees don't. So, uh, so, and I've, I've been trying to figure out how I can get back to running. And, but I remember the first race I ran as an adult was a 5K. My son had convinced me to run a 5K, the first real race I'd run. And um, I remember it was, uh, I remember exactly where it was. I remember when it was. Everything, everything about it was crystal clear. I was excited. I mean, I had been, I'd been running at home in, in a 
our neighborhood and on the shore. And I mean, I've been running around by myself, but this was my first time to like compete with old people like me. Like this was my first chance to to see how I measured up, see how many people I could pass. Right? Like this was my first shot at it. You know, I had my uh, had the, the clothes on that make you run faster. You know, which I don't know. Apparently, they don't work. But <laughs> mine were broken, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I had I had the running clothes on. You know, I had a number that looked sharp. Was red and white and had a big seagull on it and it was it was beautiful and it was tacked on just right. I had those little uh, the meters that they put on your shoes, right? That track you on the trail because the trail run. So uh, they track you on the trail and and you're able to see how like how you run uphill and downhill. I was I couldn't wait to download all that stuff and really look at that like study how good I'm gonna do. I was so excited. I was there at the start line. We got there like an hour early for some silly reason because I need to warm up. Right? And so I'm warming up with all these people who are actually runners, who look the part, you know, and I, well, I look the part, but that was about it. But anyway, so I get there, and I'm excited. I'm talking to people. I'm like, yeah, this is my first race. I can't wait. Like, this is going to be awesome. Go. We start running, right? Start running the race, and I notice people are like, there's people like have stopped. Like they, you know, it's, it's a trail run, so they twist an ankle or whatever on a stick or on a log or whatever, and they fall or, or whatever, you know, and they're, they're slip on the leaves because the leaves are all wet. And, I don't know, there's people that stop running for whatever reason, and you pass them, and you're like, wow, wow, people are dropping out already? Like, wow, I can't believe they can make it this far? And you're wondering, am I going to finish? Am I going to finish? Well, I did. I finished the 5K, but the amazing thing was different. When I finished, like when I started, I looked good. When I finished, man, I had snot out of my nose. I couldn't, like, felt like my lungs were about to explode out of my chest. My legs felt like literally they were on fire. Literally, they were on fire. I couldn't breathe. I was hurting all over. It was my number was all torn up. My clothes were dirty. I was like, I was a mess. I was a mess, but I finished. And that was the goal: was to finish the race. It wasn't to, you know. I, sure, I, when I got there, I, I thought, man, it'd be nice if I like outran somebody my age. But really, it, about halfway through, I was like, just Lord, just let this end, right? Just let this, just get me to the finish line. Because like, this is miserable. This is. I know why people stop. Because this is all, like, it's tiring, exhausting. And that's what Paul says in this is, don't stop. Don't stop the race. Don't stop the race. You can win the, your race of life, the faith race that we're in, because there's only one person to beat, and that's failure. That's not finishing. That's, the race is against not finishing. That's it. You don't have to beat any, you don't have to be, better than other people. You don't have to be more holy than anybody else. You don't have this, have this super amazing faith. No, it's just finish. Just finish the race by following Jesus. So that's what we want to look at in this. This choice is about keeping the momentum that you've already built up, that you've already begun to see change in your life. It's about how to keep that momentum up and not pull the lever on the recliner and relax where relapse, where we're going backwards may enter into your life. It happens when we grow spiritually. As we grow, grow in our faith, grow up as believers. The scriptures use all sorts of different language. But here's what the, the growth choice is. And I've listed all of these inside of your bulletin this week because some of you have been praying that I would provide that or fussing. I'm not sure which for some of you. Ed's been fussing. Some of you have been praying. But uh, it's all in there inside your bulletin. So the seventh one is the one we're talking about today. The growth choice is to reserve a daily time daily time with God for Bible reading, self-examination, and prayer in order to know God, to know God and His will for my life. 
and to get this, this is, the, this is the best part, and to gain the power to follow his will. And to gain the power, the ability to actually do what he's calling us to do comes by knowing him. It comes by knowing him. I mean, all of the, the gospel writers, all of the, the, the letter writers, the epistle writers in the Bible, those are the little books in the New Testament, but all the epistle writers, they all would, would say, grow in your faith. Keep going in your faith. They didn't say, okay, now you're there. You've arrived. None of them ever said that. They all said, continue to grow in your faith. Continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they would say at the end of their letters to the church. You see, Jesus gives us, he offers us, when we come to faith in him, he gives us a new life. He says, here is a new life. He doesn't say, let me take your old life and fix it. He says, let me give you a new one. And this new one is dramatically different than the old one. It has, when I say dramatically different, I mean it has different rhythms. It has different rhythms than your old life, right? Than, than a dysfunctional life that many of us had, right? You may think, well, my life wasn't a, I still struggle with some dysfunction. Yeah, you probably do. And yes, we probably do. But, but the way out of that, the way to keep growing in, towards righteousness and holiness is to keep growing in my faith. And you overcome the dysfunction in our lives. What am I talking about? The dysfunction of our lives. You know what? Well, maybe your, your spouse died. Your spouse died. And you don't really want to go out and meet, interact with other people. And so that leads to depression, which makes you not be able to go out and interact with other people. That's a, just a dysfunctional pattern of life. Or maybe it's you're bitter towards family who never come to visit like they ought. And when they do come to visit, you find yourself complaining that you don't come over enough. And that's the surest way to make sure they don't come back anytime soon, right? Just a dysfunctional pattern of life that we get into, and man, I don't know why I do that, but I just do that. Or maybe you're successful. By every measure of this world, you're successful. But you find yourself worried about tomorrow. Because how, how, I've got people who are expecting me to pay them. I've got, I've got bills to pay. Just because I'm successful today doesn't mean I'm going to be successful tomorrow. How am I going to maintain this? Right? And so how do you cope with that stress? You medicate it probably. Or you have some other habit that helps you control it. Because of the anxiety and the stress of the worry about tomorrow more than you can take. It's a dysfunctional pattern of life. You're not the only one. Maybe you have a secret. Maybe you have a secret that you, you don't want anybody to know about. And so, you keep everybody right there. Everybody's at an arm's distance away. Nobody gets close. Because if they get close, they're going to see through. There might be a crack in the curtain, and then they would know, and uh, I can't let people know that. And so, no one gets close. No one gets close, and you hide it you find yourself worried that people will find out. So you're not free that Jesus calls us to be. That's just a dysfunctional patterns of life. But just like there are patterns of dysfunction, there's patterns of health as well. And that's what I want to talk about. Four things that, that help us live a healthy, growing spiritual life. Healthy means growing. Healthy life is growing. It's not a stagnant life. It's not, a, it's not one that's not growing. Healthy means we're growing in this case when it comes to our faith. We continue in, we continue in the faith 
that God has given us. The first one is, is no surprise. I grow as I spend time with Jesus. I grow as I spend time with Jesus. The gospel writer, John, he said it maybe best when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Or Jesus said, John wrote it. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do all things. No, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Nothing. You can't finish the race apart from me. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire. See, the healthy can't have the, the dying, the, the dead, near it. And that's a practical thing, you know. I've got a bunch of brambles that uh, berries, you know, and so I usually start pruning in the fall. Problem is, I start pruning too early. So I prune them back a little bit in the fall, and then they start growing again. They're like, woohoo, all right, you know, and then I just have to do more work in February. So I, I'm trying to learn, just wait until they're, they're, they're gone, and then you can prune them back, right? But when you prune them, you have, to, you have to haul all that old cane away and burn it up. You have to literally, you have to get it out and remove it and burn it. Because if you leave it lie there, it gets mold and disease, and then that infects all the healthy plants around. So, so when we remove things from our life, when we cut things away, we need to remove them from us, get them away, get them far away, destroy it, so that they don't infect the healthy. As it's connected, and the healthy, why is it healthy? Because it's connected to the vine. That's where it gets its source of strength. I remember years ago when my son asked his first, what I'll call an adult Christmas present, uh, like a grown-up kind of Christmas present, like he was in college, and he asked for a ninja. I didn't know what a ninja was. I was like, I'd love one of those. I thought it was like a, like a ninja. I was like, yeah, I want a ninja too, right? But anyway, we got him a ninja blender. It's a blender, but it's not just a blender. Literally, when we got him this thing and we plugged it in, and it, sound, it felt like the house was going to be lifted off the foundation. I don't know if you've ever, if you have a ninja at home, but that thing, it's got like an Evinrude 225 built into it. And when you wind it up, it will, it will turn firewood into sawdust. I mean, it will blend anything, literally. And so when I saw this thing, I was like, well, I've got to have one of those. I've got to have one. And so we got one, and we have it on the counter. And if you're not using it, that thing is a pain. It's heavy. It sticks to the counter because it's like, it's like, I don't know, it's got suction cups or something on the bottom of it. Otherwise, it will literally fly off into the air. But it's, it has to be, like, bolted down or whatever. So you have to, like, if you, you can't just slide it out of the way and use the counter space. It's there. It's not, it ain't moving. If it's not plugged in, that thing is a pain. It's worthless. It's useless. If it's not connected to its power source, it's not plugged in. Same way with our spiritual lives. If it's not, our spiritual lives have no power if they're not connected to Jesus, if we're not plugged in to our power source. For us to grow spiritually, we've got to be connected. That's where it starts. John, the gospel writer, he wrote in 1 John 3, 6, he said, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Connected to Jesus, you won't sin. Sin is not a problem if you are connected to Jesus. He continues, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. To help you get this 
point a little better maybe, that, that Jesus, God, God does not direct us. He doesn't command us, go this way, right? He doesn't force us into options. He gives us choices, and we're allowed to choose whatever we want. But we were created for one choice, for one choice. We were created to be whatever, to be with him. That's what we were created for, to be in relationship with God, to run the race that he gives us that's with him, the right race, the race he's in. So that race may be, so putting in the race example, that it, it might be a 5K, a marathon. It doesn't matter what your race looks like. It's with him that you're running it. It's with him that you're running the race that he's marked out for you. And what I find is that the, the sin, the, the destructive, the unhealthy things in my life are not an issue when I'm near to him. I don't know if you found that or not, but the closer I am to Jesus, the less I want to do stuff that's not healthy. The less I want to do stuff that's not healthy for me or the people I love. I don't, I'm not interested in those things. The closer I am to him. So that's why I say, and I, I copy the words that, that another pastor said somewhere, and I, I can't remember who said it, but, but he said, Jesus makes life better. Absolutely, Jesus ch- makes life better. But even more importantly, that Jesus makes us better at life. He actually he changes me as I'm near him. He changes not only the way I see the world, but he changes me, my approach to the world. It's because we're in the right place. We're with him. Near to him, everything changes. He sets us up for success. He sets you up for success. But, but don't misunderstand this. We're not that much. In fact, Scripture uses the example again and again and again. He, scripture calls us humans as clay jars. You know, it's clay jars. It's simple, cheap, inexpensive clay jars. But in Isaiah and several other prophets in the Old Testament, it refers to again and again. But that clay jar can hold the power of God. That clay jar, you, as, a, as just a clay jar, as a simple, fragile clay jar can contain the power of God. Of God. Of God. I mean, that's, that's an amen. Right? That, that we, can, we can do what God says we can do. Because he's, he lives in me. He can live in you. So, so how, do we, how do we make that shift from, from living out of me to living out of God? It's the second thing that we're going to talk about today. My son has an internship down in Salisbury and when he first got it, he was like, Dad, I'm looking for an internship. And I said, yeah, man, you ought, to, you ought to get like as many of them as you can get, you know, until you graduate. And he said, yeah, but this one, they don't pay anything. I was like, I said, you're missing the point of an internship. I said, yeah, I know some of them pay, but, but the whole point there is to learn, is to get that person's brain into your head, right? Like take everything he knows and absorb, soak it all in and learn from them. That's, that's your payment that it'll come around eventually, right? Don't worry about not getting paid. And it's the same way it is with our spiritual life, that as we grow, as I fill my mind with God's Word, as the Scripture fills my mind, I become, it becomes more normal to live in that relationship with Jesus, to live in partnership with Him, in cooperation with Him, to run the race with Jesus, to run Jesus' race. It becomes more of who I am or who I was created to be to change my way of thinking, I need to take in his word. 
his word. I, I, <laughs> I, I've just, I found out, you know, this is a sure way to know that you've matured in your faith, is when you, you, you begin to realize that when you read something in the Bible and you're like, oh, I don't know, it says I shouldn't do that, but man, that was written way back then, and now you see... Like for instance, when my wife and I, before we were married, you know, I, I, I knew I, we shouldn't live in we shouldn't live in together. But I could, I was like, yeah, but, but come on, like those that was back then, and and I, I and back then I was able to justify, I was able to reason it through, you know. And it's the same way with my drinking and everything else that every other dysfunctional habit that I had in my life, I was able to say, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but it was different back then than it is today, and you know. What I've found out as I've gotten closer to Jesus is every time that I have those discrepancies between me and God's word, the problem is usually with me. Like I'm the one that's like missing something. And it's, it's a growth process, and I'm not saying everybody's got to be in the same place, but, but as you grow closer to Jesus, what we find out is that, you know what, I wasn't right back then. Like I wasn't, like I, maybe I was missing it. That's what we find out oftentimes is that when there's, discrepancy, and you've got to figure it out for yourself. You, you'll learn it as you grow in your faith that you, it'll, it'll click one day like, wow, I shouldn't have, that, that was wrong. And that's good. That's a good thing that we're maturing. James, the brother of Jesus, he said this in, in James 1.25, but the truly happy are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free, and they continue to study it. They study it, and they study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. Those who do this, those who read the Bible and do what it says will be blessed. That's what it says. That's what he's saying. If you read the Bible and do what it says, then you will be blessed. But understand this. As important as the Bible is to you, as important as the Bible is to our faith, as, as powerful as it, the words in it may be, it does not save you. The Bible is a book. It's, it's not going to save you. It's not going to transform you. Let me, hear, let me say that again. And I know some of you are like, whoa. Like, no, it's not going to transform you. What changes you is Jesus Christ. He's the one that saved you. He's the only one that died for you. He's going to change your life. What we get out of the Bible is we understand the character of God power that's available to us. We, we understand that and we that can be made ours. That character of Christ can become our character. That's what we learn in the Bible as we study it and do what it says. We develop the character of God. So where do you start? Anywhere. Just start, right? If you don't know where, every week I try to send out an email every week that's kind of just what's going on in Rock Hall. And uh, last week and this week coming, uh, there's going to be a link in there to a, a, a Bible reading plan that goes along with this series of messages. So it'll be a way for you to carry this on after we're finished. It's 25 days, written by Rick Warren. Um, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your telephone or on your iPad or whatever, you can just search for uh, Life's Healing Choices, and you'll see the 25-day the, the reading plan there. It's, say, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to read God's Word, and that's... Start there. That's an easy place to start. Just with that. Read God's word. Get his word into your head. Less of you, more of him. Less of you, more of him. Third, I grow as I focus 
on my, on my goal and not my habit. On my goal and not by habit. I don't know how many of you have spiritual goals, have faith goals in your life, but I'm going to ask you today to, to make some faith goals. I'm going to ask you today to make, some, make a spiritual goal for your life. That's where we're headed today, just so you know. Because in running this race of faith, it's important to run in the right place, right, with Jesus. It's important to have the right fuel, the Word of God, to empower the, right, to, the fuel in our lives, to, to absorb the fuel. But it's also important to, to run the race, the right goal, to have a goal. Because you know as well as I do, like, if, if you're in training, you know, I remember when I was in college, my cousin was, uh, he was a real serious weightlifter, and uh, he was trying to gain weight. And so he was eating like seven, 8,000 calories a day. And he couldn't gain weight. I mean, that was the amazing thing was he could not gain weight. And I mean, he was, I mean, he was eating anything that he could eat. I mean, 8,000 calories, that's a lot. And he couldn't, he wasn't gaining anything. And I was just like, wow, that's impressive, right? But just imagine if, if you were to take that path, right? You and I were to take that path. And, and we go, we, we're going to start training, but I'm going to start training first. I'm going to do the food portion, right? I'm going to load up on proteins and carbohydrates. That's where I'm going to start. I'm just going to start with that, and, and then you never get around to doing the workout, right? What happens? It doesn't take long, right, before it's showing everywhere, right? It's, 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 people are like, wow, you're doing something different, aren't you? And it's not a good thing, right? It's not a, it's not a healthy thing at all. And so because you're, you're putting in, but you're not letting it out. You're not letting it do what it's supposed to do. The same way with our spiritual life. If all we do is study God's Word, study God's Word, study God's Word, and we never do what it says, run the race, then we're just going to get obese on God's Word. And that's unhealthy the same way. So we, we focus on the goal. The goal is to run the race, to finish the race. Philippians 3.12 and through 14 says this, I do not mean that I'm already as God wants me to be. See, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm perfect here. I have not yet reached the goal, but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. I keep striving for it, he says. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. This is why he saved me, to reach for this goal, to strive for this goal, to, to run this race. I'm not there yet, he says. Neither are we. We're not there yet, but we were created to run this race. Brothers and sisters, he goes on, Paul does. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul says, I, I am solely focused on the goal that God has put in my life. Now, when I say I want you to make a goal today, I would, I would, I'm going to ask you to make a spiritual goal for your life. I'm not, like, like, Finish the race, that's, that's, that's spiritual, but it's not the goal that, that's not a practical goal. Like, how do you know? That means you have to die, so your goal is to die. No, we don't want that. We want a, a goal to live. So we're going to say, like, like, what's a practical, what's something practical for the next seven days that you can accomplish? Something practical. Maybe, it's, maybe it is to read the Scripture. I'm going to set an alarm on my phone while the preacher's talking. I'm going to go ahead and set an alarm on my phone to read the Bible. Wake up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 12.30, and read the Bible. Some of you retired people said it for like 10, Ed. <laughs> like said it late. But maybe that's where you are. I need to set, the, set an alarm to read the Bible every day. A spiritual goal. Something that, that you can do at the end of the week. You can say, I did it. 
I did it. I did it. Be specific. What is it God is leading you to accomplish? Where is God calling you? For this week, I'm not going to eat any ice cream. No ice cream this week. So after church today, you're going to go home and you're going to throw it all away. And your spouse, people in your house are going to be like, what are you doing? You lost your mind. You're going to say, nope, no ice cream this week. Right? You're just going to do it. Because you know, if you don't throw it out tonight at 11 o'clock, you're going to be like, you know what I'd really like right now? Is some ice cream. Some Jimmy's. Right? That's what I'm going to want. So the way to prevent that is just get rid of it before you ever want it, right? That's the way to make the change is commit to the change before you have a desire for it. Maybe it's tomorrow, every time I want to smoke, I'm going to go for a walk. Every time I want to smoke, I'm just going to go for a walk instead. I'm going to get real air in my lungs. Every time. To help with my anxiety, tomorrow, every day this week, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do something, 30 minutes a day help my stress, help my anxiety. There's something practical that you can do. You know, I drink too much when I'm alone. And so, this week, when I want to drink, I'm going to call somebody. Every time I have a desire to take a drink, I'm going to call someone. So I'm not alone. Spiritual goals need to be specific. That way we know, what are we doing it? Like, like I want to be, I want to be free. Yeah, we want to be free spiritually. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea, but it's not really something practical that we can look back and say, did I do it this week? Did I do it this week? Spirit, set a spiritual goal. I encourage you. As we're in worship here today, just something, God, pull something to your mind today. Just write it down. Just write it down. Because these help in two ways that I believe are very powerful. The first one, focusing on a goal helps me to have a, a short memory of mistakes. I was watching college football yesterday, and you could see when, when, a, when a player, when he get burned, in other words, those of you who aren't football fans, when he would get beat on a play, the, the other team would make a bunch of yards on his mistake. That's what we mean by getting burned. So when he get burned, it, you know, their, their posture, everything, is like, oh, man, they're throwing stuff, and they're kicking, and they're mad because they made a mistake, right? And they keep it up. And what happens a couple plays later? <laughs> the, co- the coach on the other team calls a play that burns him again. Right? Because he's, he's living in the past. He's caught up in his mistake. But if you're focused on the goal, you're focused on where you're headed, you know, somebody knocks me off the rails, I'm, I know I'd get right back on. When, when I, we coach football, we, we coach them always to keep their head up, to follow their nose, right? To, to follow their nose. That way, if, if somebody knocks you down, you're going you're gonna to come right back to center. Always, if you stay focused, yes, you're going to get knocked down. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, you're going to slip up. Yes, 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 yes. But you're not going to dwell on them where guilt just kind of keeps you back there. You're going to move on. You're going to get back up. Get back on track. Instead of sitting on the sidelines going, wow, why did that happen to me? I can't believe I failed. I can't believe I did that again. Stay focused. And you have a short memory of mistakes. The second thing being focused on on your goal helps is to avoid temptations and not fear them. To avoid temptations and not fear them. When I was in high school running track there was a one kid who was like the super athlete in the school and he could do he could do anything. So if he wanted to 
if he wanted to beat you out in your, whatever race you ran in track, he would just say, okay, I'm going to challenge him today, and you know pretty much that he was going to beat you, and he was going to run it, right? It's because he was just faster than everybody else. He could do pretty much anything. He was just one of those kids, except one day when Patrick wanted to run the hurdles, and he, this kid didn't. Uh, so they had the hurdles out, you know, and they're running a race. Well, Patrick put a snake on the hurdles, and this kid was terrified of snakes, <laughs> terrified of snakes. And when he saw that, when he was running them hurdles and he saw that snake, he was like, oh, it's like he just froze. And he could not, and he bolted. He ran. He was like, I am no way. No, he could not stay focused on his goal when he saw the thing that he feared. Same thing it is for us when we're, we're, we're focused. Yes, temptations are going to come in, but, you know, I'm not paying much attention to them. Temptations are going to come, but I'm going to stay focused on, on who I'm pursuing, Jesus. I'm saying focus on the race that he has set out before me, not on the things, not on the things that are going to cause me problems. I'm not going to fear them. I'm not going to, like, scream and yell and quit the race because something bad happens. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay focused. One step, one hurdle at a time. Finally, I grow as I lean on and learn from others. We weren't created this Christian faith was not a, is not a solo sport. <laughs> it's not. We were created for relationships, to be in relationship. This, this faith that we share is about relationships with God and with others. And so I need to stay solely focused that I can learn from others. Hebrews 10.23 and all through and many other places in the Bible, it talks about this one another. Depending on what translation of the Bible you read, the New Testament has something like 90, many dozens, I don't know, of, uh, of one another commands, one another instructions for Christian living. Hebrews has a few of them in chapter 10. Let us continue to hold firmly to the hope that we confess without wavering. For the one who made the promise, God, is faithful. And let us continue to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another even more as you see the day coming near. To keep doing these one another's, that, we, that our faith is together. It's not individual. It's, it's all of us. We're all in this together. I know some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. He's going to tell us we need to be in a Bible study or in a small group or or something like that. No, I'm not. I'm not. So you're off the hook. You can take a deep breath. What you need is people to be praying for you. That's what you need. You need people praying with you. That's what we need. We need to be in relationships with other believers. We need people who are going to hold us accountable to our behavior. People who are going to ask us, so are you reading the Bible? When's the last time you read? We need people that are going to ask us that. When's the last time you read? When's the last time you told anybody about your faith? When's the last time you shared? You're like, we need someone who's going to ask us that. Because otherwise, people don't, like, ain't nobody asked you that when you've been here today. Did anybody ask you, hey, you reading the Bible this week? No, I bet not. Because we don't ask each other that. But that's what we need to be asked. And so in a small group, usually, the people in your small group don't ask you either. I just had this conversation with somebody this week that, that 
We don't have these difficult conversations with one another because we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. But what people need is permission to make you uncomfortable. John Wesley, when he started this thing about this Methodism movement in England, he started this, he called them bands, not rock bands, but bands. Uh, He had societies, which were gatherings of outside of church for times of worship and, and study. But then he, a smaller group out of that was called a band, and it was a group of three to five people, all men or all women, who, were, who held each other accountable, who held each other accountable, that, that asked questions about, so, so how are you reading, doing reading the Bible? How, are, how is your faith? What, what sins have you committed this week? <laughs> what? Somebody's going to ask me that? Yeah. And, and then the last one they would ask each other is, so what are you not telling us? What secrets do you, are you keeping? That would make a difference if somebody's asking you that, right? You get tired of lying. <laughs> right? You, you just get tired. We're like, okay, i got to tell the truth. Last six months, I ain't been telling you the truth. But now, because we get tired of it. We just get tired. So you don't need a small group. What you need is relationships. Relationships with other Christians who are trying to live this out just like you. That's what we need. That's what you need. So to help you with that, I know many of you have started to find some, some progress in this, this, these healing choices. So in January, we're going to start what's called a, a step study. Step study. You, you may not know exactly what that is. And it makes sense that you wouldn't. But a step study is like a small group, but it's not. It's specifically oriented towards these choices. Uh, it's, about, it's about a place where people can gather to say, you know what, I want to I make these choices real in my life, but I need some help. Because you will need some help. If you're going to make these real, you need help. We, we do. So in January, we're going to start a, a, a small group, and it'll be a, much like a band, much like one of John Wesley's bands. It, the Celebrate Recovery model has, is based on a, a gathering, much like a church gathering, where it's where worship and, and prayer and all those things, and then they break into small groups, much like John Wesley's societies, right? But then out of those societies come smaller groups called bands, where people meet together to to equip one another, to encourage one another, to hold one another accountable, to help each other grow. If that's you, if you feel like I'm starting to make some progress in this and I don't want it to stop, I don't want to stop the momentum, then I ask you to just let me know that you want to be a part of one of those step studies that we're going to start in the beginning of the year where we we can continue to apply these. We can keep the momentum going that we've started. This growth choice is big to reserve a daily time with God for Bible reading, self-examination and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life that I would gain the power the power to follow his will that's what this is all about Galatians 6 which is, Galatians is a fantastic letter Paul wrote let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because it, when the time comes, when the harvest is ready, we will reap it. It is coming, he says. So when you get tired, rest, but don't relax. Rest, but don't relax. Because when you relax, that's when people get hurt. That's when injuries happen. That's when people relapse. Keep up the fight, as they say in Scripture. Keep running the race 
You can relax, but stay strong in the race. The right race. Running with Jesus. Consume the right fuel. Have the right focus. And run with the right partners in this healing, healthy, spiritual growth that you've started. I'd like to pray for you. As you consider a goal for your week, your spiritual life, that you would grow this week. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that, that you've given us the ability to grow in our faith, that, that we don't have to stay in the same place all the time, that we can actually make progress in our faith, in our relationship with you, in our relationship with others, in our, in our defeat of sin and pain in our lives and in this world. God, we can, we can avoid those things. We can be free from those things. But it, it takes spiritual growth. And you want to grow us. So you're working to do in us. Praise you, God. Those of us who are sitting here today who are thinking of spiritual goals, this week, faith goals that we can take this week, whether it's reading, studying, praying, whether it's avoiding some things that have been destructive patterns in the past, that we're going to... We're going to try for, for a limited period of time, a week or a couple of days or maybe 24 hours at a time. We're going to begin to move. God, we're going to need you. We're going to need you to show up. Thank you, Lord, for those who already know exactly what it is. We know what we need in our life. We know what's missing. For, that, for those that are here today who know it, God, just, I thank you. Thank you for making it clear. For those of us who aren't sure, God, let it be that we just spend time in your word, that we get to know you, and then you can show us whatever you want to show us about our lives. Help us to spend more time with you this week. God, I thank you for this church, this community of faith, people who are committed to your vision to, to experience you, God, and then to, to take you out of this place and show the world. I thank you, Lord, that you've inspired people in this church to make a difference in this community, to serve and to love on little kids and, and old people and, and young people alike. Thank you, God. God, I ask that you would give us, a, give us the opportunity to show you to our neighbors, our neighbors who have real problems, who are going through it, who are struggling with stress because of tomorrow, next year, next month. Got our neighbors who are worried about their kids, their grandkids, their health, their spouse. Got our neighbors have real problems. Help us to, to show the light, your light. God, we ask you to bless the families and children here in this community. Not just those who come on Wednesday nights. All of them, Lord. That the parents would be a living example for their children, would inspire them, God. Would lead them in a way that's healthy, that's... That, oh, God, challenge parents. Help us equip parents to make an impact in their kids' lives. 
And we also want to lift to you, God, other churches in our community. Whether it's Reverend Wheatley at the, the Church of God or Reverend David down at uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, God, or the, the, I can't remember the priest's name, down the street here at the Catholic Church or, or next door at the Baptist Church. God, I ask you to, to bless the pastors who lead those churches, Lord. Draw them close to you. God, that, that their relationship with you would be thick and rich and overwhelming. God, that they would be a living example for their churches. God, that their churches would know and understand their call from you to make disciples, to reach people who are in desperate need. There's, a, there's not a lack of people in this community who are in need of your love and your grace. God, help us to cross boundaries, to, to, to become friends with people that, that are new here. Get our eyes off of the people who have always been here. Help us to see those who are new, people who, are, who love this town as much as we do and want to be a part of it. Help us to love on them as well as you would. Continue to work in us, Lord, your desire, your love. We praise you, God. You're good to us. We thank you for it all. Amen. 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 We're almost finished. Uh, as we, as we're gonna, we got one more song, and as we sing this last song, there are a couple of beautiful ladies who are going to help with an offering. I would love it if you would share that connection card in the offering plate. Uh, if you could just drop it in there, especially if you have an email address. That's the easiest way for us to stay in touch. Uh, if you would drop that in, that would be fantastic. Um, and tomorrow night, don't forget, uh, Monday night, at 5 o'clock, there is a charge conference meeting that's right here uh, in the church. That's, that means if you're a, in leadership in the church, you have, a, you have an appointment tomorrow at 5 o'clock to be here. Uh, so you know, hopefully you can be here. We'll have worship, and we will have, um, have, have some business to do as well. So thank you for that. All right? Stand with us, please. <laughs>